At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Increase the Reality with Shane Jones. What is up, inquirers, and welcome to the expanse of deep, open-minded conversation. I'm the one they call Shane, and in today's discussion, we jump back into the realm of psychedelic exploration and personal growth through one man's personal experiences that share striking similarities with my own. Thanks to conversations like this one, we can really start to build a framework of the profound insight and knowledge learned through spiritual journeys and learn to apply them to all of our daily lives. But... Before we get into this awesome conversation today, of course, I have to do the uh, front of house. So uh, if you guys are a fan of the show, don't forget to follow Inquiries of Our Reality and Open Minds Media on Instagram and Facebook. And if you guys are interested in picking up some video content, don't forget to go and check out Open Minds Media on YouTube and on TikTok. And if anybody's interested in joining a community and having some awesome conversations with some with some like-minded individuals, don't forget to go and check out the Open Minds Media Discord. Over there, it doesn't just accompany inquiries of our reality, but also bizarre encounters. So no matter what side of listener you guys are on, you guys can all collaborate all into one place. And if anybody wants to get a hold of me, you guys can do so through social media or through email. If you guys are interested in possibly sending some fan art, uh, simply just having a conversation, uh, being a guest on the show, or possibly having me as a guest on your show, uh, if you guys want to email me, it is inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com, or you guys can go to the link tree and fill out the submission form that says contact me. And if anybody's interested in reporting an encounter, no matter how big, no matter how small, I definitely want to hear about it. Uh, possibly get featured as a guest on the show, or I can read in the beginning of the show, or if you guys send a recording of it. I can always play it in the beginning of the show. Or if you guys are close enough, I can always personally investigate it. You guys can get a hold of me to report those encounters at 
OMM encounter reports at outlook.com, or you guys can go to the link tree and there is also a specific submission form for that. And if you guys aren't already checking out my other show, Bizarre Encounters, highly recommend that you do. A bit of a different format than this show where this is more interview based. Uh, we definitely have some interviews over there, but for the most part, it is all of the research that Orn and I dive into, specifically diving into extraterrestrials, cryptids, the paranormal, all that fun stuff. And uh, we do have an extension off of that that we call Bizarre Inquiries, where we discuss your guys' listener questions. Uh, once a month, that gets dropped on YouTube and the normal feed, but for the rest of the time, that is a Patreon-exclusive show weekly. But if you guys want to submit any questions for that, you guys can always uh, submit your questions through Instagram or through email. Whatever way you guys want to get hold of me, uh, I'll end up finding those questions, and I would love to discuss them. And even if you're not a Patreon subscriber, if you submit an awesome question, I will make sure that you guys are able to get a hold of that episode and check it out personally. And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can do so through Patreon. That's the number one. Over there, you'll get things such as early access to shows, lives of shows, ad-free episodes of shows, live replays of shows, uh, exclusive merch store discounts, exclusive Patreon shows, uh, exclusive Patreon hangouts slash movie nights. Uh, there's a bunch of awesome stuff going on over there. I recently updated a bunch of the tiers, so there's a lot of new benefits. So you guys can go and check those out and see which one might suit you the best. And you also get Inquiries of Our Reality, Bizarre Encounters, a bunch of different things all in one place. So it's a little bit more bang for your buck. And I do now offer a seven-day sub- free trial to the $3 and the $5 tier. So if you guys want to check it out and see what it's all about, you guys can definitely do so through that. Or if you guys want to donate to the show directly, you guys can do so through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. Anything is greatly appreciated. It all goes back towards the show and making it so I can get out to more events, be able to meet more of you guys firsthand, which is always awesome because I absolutely love meeting you guys. And the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media merch store. Over there, you'll find stuff for inquiries, bizarre encounters, and any other cool random designs that I happen to update over there. And if you guys join the Patreon first, as I mentioned, you do get exclusive discounts depending on which tier you select. Or if you guys keep a, keep track of the show on social media, I do drop some random promo codes here and there. So anything you guys do, greatly appreciate it. And if you guys end up scooping anything from the merch store, if you guys wouldn't mind sending me a picture of you guys wearing it so I can repost on the pages, I would greatly appreciate it. And number four, you guys can leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, And if you guys leave a five-star review, of course, I will read on the show and give you guys a big shout out. Or if you think anybody might particularly enjoy a certain episode of the show or the show as a whole, you guys can always share that through word of mouth. That's another awesome way to help the show grow. And on top of that, you guys could always set the show to auto-download. So even if you don't listen to every single episode, it'll count as a listen. And again, keep boosting up the show and the algorithm. Uh, I'm trying to boost up the show as much as I possibly can in 2024. And I won't be able to do that without your guys' help. So anything you guys do, more than appreciated. And uh, talking about appreciation, let's uh, take a moment to give a big shout out to the sponsors of the show. Number one is I Know Squatch. Don't forget to go and check them out for any of your Squatch gear. I know I wear a lot of their stuff on the show. So if you guys see the whoop hats I wear or that camo hoodie that I'm wearing all the time, that's I Know Squatch. So definitely highly recommend going and checking them out. And for any of your guys' other cryptid needs, also Sasquatch included in it, uh, you guys can go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe has a wide variety of different cryptids, paranormal, and extraterrestrial type shirts. Absolutely killing it. And I know that he is in between convention seasons right now, so he's dropping and working on a bunch of awesome designs. So definitely recommend following the pages and keeping up on him too. And beyond that, if you guys have beards, don't forget to go and check out Snarly Yow for some of the best beard products out there. It has a smoky cedar scent to it. Absolutely fantastic. He offers a uh, body wash. He also offers beard soap. He offers a uh, beard balm. 
uh, beard oil, uh, any of your natural body needs, I guarantee you, you guys will end up finding something over there from the Snarly Yow. And like I said, absolutely fantastic scent. And to uh, all my paranormal investigators out there, don't forget to go and check out the Chattergeist. It is the all-in-one paranormal investigating device. I use it every time I go out. It is my absolute favorite. He has a lot of awesome updates that have been being done as far as the Chattergeist itself and even starting to expand it and having a phone app and all that awesome stuff for it. So definitely go and check it out. And if you guys have any technical questions whatsoever, you guys can hit up Barry on Dimension Devices. He's the guy that programmed and developed it, so he'll be able to answer any of your technical questions. And uh, if you guys end up deciding you guys want to pick one up for yourself, don't forget to use the affiliate link. Greatly appreciate it, and it goes towards helping out the show. And if anybody else is interested in sponsoring the show in any way, shape, or form, definitely make sure you guys get a hold of me because I would love to work something out with you guys and keep growing the community as a whole. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, author and psychedelic researcher, Adam Butler. How's it going today, man? I'm doing very well. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, talking about things always seeming to fall into place. I've been doing a lot of research as far as uh, DMT entities, uh, psychedelic realms of thinking, and it seems like it's been something that's played a key part in a lot of the research that I'm doing as far as inquiries and for bizarre encounters. So we're talking about things just falling perfectly into place. It seemed like, you know, we scheduled this a couple months ago, but it just fell right at the perfect time where everything needed to be. Uh, that's how it works. That's how it works with psychedelics and <laughs> DMT like you're saying in particular, uh, it, it finds you when it needs to in the way it needs to. Um, and that's one of its beautiful aspects. Hey man, I've said it since the beginning. Most people see it as like a drug, so quote, so to speak, but I've always seen it more as like a tool. And I feel like if you're not using it properly, then you're not going to get the message properly. And it's also not going to treat you back with respect properly too. Cause you hear about these people having these ridiculous experiences when they were just trying to go in looking at it like a drug. And I feel like that's for a reason. It's trying to scare the wrong people away from it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. Um, the disclaimer that yeah, it's definitely not for everybody and you, you definitely need the right intentions. And, you know, ultimately, it's, it's not going to be the, the best the best way for everybody to achieve, you know, happiness or contentment or, you know, uh, it's, it's not a cure at all. But for me, I, I you know I, I needed it. Oh, yeah. You and me both, man. I've had my own experiences where they definitely helped me through some hard times. But uh, I guess before we can get into the nitty gritty of the conversation, uh, we have to let the listeners know a little bit about you, a little bit about your work and a little bit about where you come from. So uh, why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about yourself and uh, what exactly you'd start diving into as far as your research goes. Sure. Well, uh, again, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to having this conversation for a lot of reasons. Um, my name is Adam Butler. Uh, I recently published my first book, Butler's DMT Field Guide. Uh, basically, it's a book that came out of my life's absolute destruction. You know, and, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, over the course of three or four years, everything in my life actually just went to complete shit. Uh, I had a, a bad uh, ball of mental depression, suicidal thoughts, um, and DMT and, and, and shrooms helped save my life. Uh, I took like a, a year and a half off and went on a spiritual journey, traveled across the country, really kind of get all my shit together. Uh, I'm three years sober now from alcohol. And with all of that process, uh, wrote this book to, to really share my story, not to glorify DMT. And, and you know, like we were just saying, it, it's not for everybody, but it, it's to 
to share the story that there is light after you know a, a dark period in someone's life, and that that there's a bit that the, there's a way out. Because um, my my story certainly isn't unique, and, and it sounds like you had a similar one. We just bought a, a mutual friend, Brandon. He's had similar ones, and it's just it's a common narrative where life is tough, and you can either crumble under its weight, or you can kick it in the dick and win at the game of life. And psychedelics help you do that. <laughs> well, they help me do it anyway. Ain't that the truth, man? Like I said, they're exactly they're for certain types of people, and it's one of those things that you just have to make sure that you're prepared to be able to let go. Because I feel like most of the time when people ha- do try to do psychedelics to try to help with things, and they don't learn the idea of necessarily letting go and really like getting ingrained in your thoughts, that's usually where they start having a lot of issues. Because it's like you can't necessarily control it; you kind of have to let it go where it needs to go. And that's part of like the treatment. I feel is that it's just kind of learn teaches you a little bit of learning how to just like let go in life and let life steer you in the direction that it needs to rather than in the direction that you're trying to force it to go it can it, with that you know with the right set and setting and, and that's where you know in, environment and intention and why you're doing it is, is really important um you know once again i'm very careful not to to glorify any illegal drug use or, or because it, it can blow up your mind uh you know it, it's a whether it be DMT, whether it be uh, shrooms, you know, ketamine, that there's a lot of psychedelics now that are being used for therapeutic treatment in, in absolute benefit. I, I think that kind of discussion's been been had for, for a while now, that there's clear benefit for a lot of different reasons. Um, but now, you know, how do you use them in, in a way that isn't going to be detrimental? And, you know, that that's where these conversations are also helpful for me, helpful for me too, because this is all relatively relatively new to me and I know you you know you were asking prior to recording you know how I got into this and, and what led me to psychedelics and, and it's really something that I didn't think that I would be be talking about but the benefit that it's had for me literally saved my life and and, and I you know like you said I, I say that with the weight that, that I intend on saying it with and and this saved the lives of several people that I love and then now sharing my story for coming up on a year uh, I have countless stories of, of how it just it changed the perspective. It changed the way people live their day-to-day life, and and it shakes you out of a, a rut, uh, you know. And and I guess, like I said, we'll, we'll get into my story how I got into it. But I am not the the scientist that's you know a, a brain chemist or, or a neuroscientist that understands all of the, the chemical processes. There's pl- plenty of people out there that are doing that work, and I suggest studying all of them because there's a, there's so much awesome stuff that's coming out right now. Um, what I'm really trying to share is just my experience to say, one, hopefully don't go down the same destructive path that I did, but then also here's a way that you can use them, that you can integrate them into your life where now it's it's full of beauty and joy and contentment as opposed to alcoholic rage and narcissistic, horrible treatment of, of everybody I loved, you know, and that's, that's the once again, the beauty of psychedelics. It holds up that mirror. Oh yeah, that's Which very. Maybe, now I guess to, to to answer your question, how how did I get to it? So, um, my life, and I mentioned this in the book because I, I I think it's important because I I literally was was raised with a silver spoon in my my mouth. I had every possible advantage. I was you know I I am the, the, the well, was I'm sitting here you know I've, I've got nothing left to my name, but the, the rich white kid from New England that had you know the, the college education, the grandfather gave him a shit ton of money when he passed. Um, I owned my first home in my 20s. I was a real estate investor. I had multiple high-paying jobs. Um, at the point when my life really started hitting the, the fan, I was living in a three-story Victorian, you know, half-million-dollar house near the water. 
everything on paper was was really really good but internally i was conflicted as fuck and i was covering it with alcohol and just running from all of my problems and then like i said a whole series of horrible events happened and and all to my my do making and and now a couple of years into it you know i'm i'm trying to put it all the, the pieces together but i lost you know, multiple great jobs, multiple relationships, all of my, my material goods. And I, I was ready to, to off myself. I was ready to go into the woods and just, I was done. And it wasn't a rash decision. It wasn't like, oh, you know, one day I had a really bad day. It was something that I'd been contemplating for a very, very long time. Um, and I'd been seeing the research done on psychedelics. So I actually started with shrooms. So I, you know, I started getting into normal doses, three, four, five grams, pushing it a little bit further. Um, and I, and I did get a lot of therapeutic benefit from that. You know, I, I really had, a, a, I couldn't fool myself. You know, I, I could talk shit to my parents. I could talk shit to my friends. I could lie to my therapist, but I couldn't lie to myself in those, those deep psychedelic sessions that I had with shrooms. But I was still, I, I didn't, I, I knew that I had to shake out more. And, and that's where DMT kind of found me, like we were just discussing. Uh, and I had access to it. And then from there, once I found out I had access to it, I actually spent several months further doing research as, as best I could, you know, reading all of the, the top minds that had studied it and felt comfortable at that point using it to, to now try to figure out what was up with my life. And um, I went into it and went into it pretty hardcore. Uh, and and really just my intent was fix it, find my brain, die trying, or, you know, whatever the fuck's going to happen. It can't be any worse than, than where I'm at. And uh, happily, it ended up truly saving my life. Once again, not the magic pill. Uh, I still have all of my, my problems and all the shit i got to work out and, and a lot of stuff that I've got to work through. But I'm not wasting my energy doing the same self-destructive things that I was doing. And now I have clarity of direction on what I need to do. Um, but through all that, now it's, now it's a matter of kind of using it as part of my everyday holistic approach to well-being. Just out of curiosity, just to kind of see what kind of like perspective you're coming at as far as like psychedelics go, um, are you one of the people that kind of views it as it's more so like your subconscious that's actually trying to help you or expose things to you, or do you see it more as it's connecting to some type of like external force uh, or possibly entities, another realm uh, that actually starts bringing in real world advice into your reality? Like, what's kind of your perspective as far as the psychedelic realm goes? I think you kind of just said the same thing the way I look at it. Uh, I think it's your consciousness that's that you're receiving and picking up outside entities and, and information. Um, and I guess like that's kind of that the, the hard question there of, of consciousness. You know, where, where is that information coming from? Is it just your, your brain producing it or are you receiving it? Um, I personally think that... So what... What I think DMT allowed for me, and um, was it uh, Rob Ellis, I believe, right? That was one of the guests you had on recently. Yep. And you guys were talking about, like, you know, his, his ayahuasca session and yours. And, and you know, you, you guys are really talking about a lot of stuff that I agree with about how you, the, when you take psychedelics, you really enhance your initial five senses that you have, but then you have so many more, you know, and, and I don't have the names for them, and, and I don't, you know, how many do you actually attain, but. You just interact with the environment in reality in a, in a way more profound ways where instead of getting, you know, a few data points, you're getting a, a shitload of data points. And, 
the information that I've received in those those realms. Now, whether it be my internal self-talk, whether it be my consciousness, my subconsciousness, outside information, um, I, you know, I think most people that go through a, a psychedelic experience like I do come to the conclusion that you are one. You're all part of the same shit. So, you know, I, I don't know. Is it God talking to me? Is it the devil talking to me? Is it myself talking to me? I, I think we're, that's all. We're all part of the, you know, different facets of that same one being whole source, whatever the fuck it is. Um, but I, I think that's what makes that, that information so profound is it, it's not because, you know, I've had the crazy thoughts in my head. I've, I've had, uh, I've, you hear about the, the delusional thoughts of people that are looking to certain gods to solve all their problems. You know, that, that's not what this is. This is a connection to something way older and more, natural see i've always gotten into it from the aspect of like uh like the consciousness from the plants especially if you're considering the more like natural side of psychedelics because of course there's like ketamine which is uh like synthesized <clears throat> lsd is technically synthesized too even though it is derived from a natural plant but those ones seem like they're they're a little bit different like the the they still kind of get to the same method and point as far as being able to kind of sit outside of yourself and really view yourself from like a different perspective. Um, but when it comes to like the more natural ones like DMT, uh, even cannabis to a certain extent too. Um, and then, you know, uh, like mushrooms, for example, those ones almost seem like it's like connecting in with the consciousness of like the earth itself, where it kind of brings you back into that, like more natural perspective, natural point of thinking. And, uh, rather than with, the more synthetic stuff where it seems like it kind of just lets it so that you can sit outside of yourself and get a perspective instead it for me at least it always seemed like with the more natural ones there's also another thought process that's in there that usually seems foreign more often than not and maybe it is part of your subconscious that it's trying to unveil something to you that you're not thinking about in your conscious or there is again the other possibility that you are connecting with something that's beyond our realm of thinking be it that it's connecting in with the ether possibly and you're getting connections with possibly everybody that's ever existed through time, or if you're connecting with beings or entities from a higher vibrational point, then that's also something to take into consideration. And I mean, when you get into the whole concept too, about, you know, like the reality above our, above this dimension would be creating the one below it, you know, viewing it from the perspective of like, you know, we create the 2d dimension. Cause you know, as we draw pictures and everything, we create their reality. The next step up would theoretically be creating our reality. So of course, like if we are connecting to something that's a higher elevational being, of course it would be able to tell us how to manifest and create good within this reality because in a, in a way they're almost like telling you how to manipulate your reality that they're creating if you kind of get into the, I don't want to necessarily say woo-woo side, but the more spiritual side of these plants at least. Uh, and and that's, that's where we struggle. As much as you can study it, how do you put words to try to describe extra dimensional beings that convey information in some other vibratory like frequency it's just and and that's that's ultimately why um i continue to do my my dmt sessions and i continue to have conversations like this because um you know after kind of being caught in that normal rat race uh of what most people do just you know working the, the nine to five and paying the bills and everything most people don't get to to think about the, the deeper thoughts like this and once you kind of experience life oh, oh not necessarily that like the veil's been lifted but once you've seen some shit you can't unsee it in you know and i was talking about how i, I watched um 
an interview with you where you're talking about your history and about how, you know, growing up in a haunted house and, and then, you know, being able to kind of have some weird, like, actual projection type shit where, you know, how, how do you explain that without sounding nuts to people when you know it happened, when, when you know that that shit's real? And, um, you know, I've, I've done DMT now hundreds of times, and, and the stuff that I've seen and in the, in the information that I've experienced in those realms, it's life-changing. And it's very hard to come back just to, to the normal state of living and, and just act like everything's cool. And, and it's not good or bad or evil or, or, you know, angels or demons. It's just there's so much more to the human experience than what most people experience. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like my intellectual curiosity is only expanding on so many different levels be, because of that. And hopefully we get closer to some sort of answer, but... It's not the shit that most people worry about. I mean, talking about this stuff coming in exactly when it's needed. I mean, if you get into like the stoned ape theory, uh, they talk about how primates weren't originally using tools. They're just kind of following herds. Uh, They're, you know, going after animals. And then they started picking up, you know, like the, the mushrooms that ended up growing out of the feces of the herds that they were following. And then that's when there's a lot of people that theorize that that was like the huge boom in it and expand in consciousness when we started using tools, uh, started actually thinking and becoming self-aware. And then we kind of like steered away from that for a while where, I mean, there's of course like the practice of it within like religious ceremonies throughout time, but it kind of got pulled away from like the general public for a long time. And it seems like now it's starting to reemerge and it makes you wonder if, you know, like with a lot of stuff, it's psychedelics that everything seems to happen and fall into a certain place for a reason. And life has become so stagnant to the point where everybody's depressed. Everybody knows subconsciously that the world that we live in isn't and isn't how people are intended to live. Like nobody's happy. People have to like force themselves to be happy essentially because the system is so messed up on how everything works, how everything functions. So I'm wondering if it's like it's that time when they're calling back to people again to actually experience them so that we can elevate to the next level of consciousness as far as being more self-aware than we have been in the past throughout centuries and also realizing the issue with the current construct that we have put in front of us. Because again, like depression, it shouldn't be a thing that more people are depressed than not depressed. Like that, that to me at least shows that there's something within our world that we're, it's not intended to be how it's supposed to be. Like, I know I talk about it all the time on the show, the whole idea that people are drawn to nature, but we're pulled away from it. Like, I'm kind of curious if that's where a lot of like the depression comes from, where we need an elevation in consciousness is because we're actually pulling away from nature, from oneness, from loving each other. And rather we're thrown into a world where it's just a concrete jungle, nothing beautiful to look at. Everybody's divided by sides. So it's just, it's gotten so bad that everybody's calling for something and they need something to help reunite everybody and it almost seems like again psychedelics are consciously like calling back to people to hopefully cause the next leveling of consciousness as far as human beings go where who knows what the next step might be you know when we're talking about like the stoned ape theory you know they started using tools but who knows what the next step as far as like evolution could be for humans if uh psychedelic consciousness continues to expand like I mean, there's probably a lot of different natural abilities that we've had throughout centuries that we've lost touch with. So maybe we'll start reconnecting with those again and using them in the current world that we're in might bring in a whole other level of awareness to our surroundings, to the world, to reality existing around us, essentially. Yeah, something's got to give. And and I think that's the natural flux of any biological being. Uh, You know, it is that there's... There is the, the ebb and flow. There is the, 
you know, so we had a, a good run with materialism. We had a good thing with technology and, and industrial revolution and all that shit. And we built up our, you know, our computers and our roads. And, and But to your point, over the, the past, whatever, you know, 300 years or so, we've just lost that connection to, to Mother Nature, to the moon, to the tides, to the, you know, and, and there is some of that hippy-dippy woo-woo shit um, that, we, that we've all lost. It has to be balanced with, you know, real life sh- living in, in this, this game or this matrix or however you want to you say it. But there, I think it, to your point, there is a swing now coming where there has to be a consciousness shift. And whether it be through psychedelics or, you know, s- spirituality or, or something, uh, we can't stay on this path. Like the status quo um, isn't going to last, you know, maybe for our lifetime, but not for our kids or our family members' kids. And it's just... Um, we have to change. And I think, you know, like I mentioned before, but when most people do psychedelics, they, they not only get a connection with themselves and, and a really understanding of, of who they are and how they fit into this world, but they realize that, you know, that there is a sense of love, not only for other people, but for trees, for plants, for bugs, for, for all of that. Um, and I think that, that way of thinking, as opposed to the way of thinking we think now of this sense of lack where everybody's hoarding resources and you have these millionaires and billionaires, but there's so many poor people. And, and, you know, like I said, I'm not saying that there's this utopia or this like, you know, Atlas shrug type shit where there's this secret society that we can have where everybody's just tripping on DMT and everybody will live happy. Um, But there's a blending of it where, where there's a better way where we can treat each other with some love and respect. But and I think this is where the, the conversation naturally flows is that most people don't have love and respect for themselves. Most people, and, and like myself. So, so I, I was a narcissistic asshole, belligerent person. I was an alcoholic. I was 40 plus pounds overweight. I, I, I did so many self-destructive things and, and I brought so many de- people down. Uh, I would walk into the room and I was the dark negative energy. I mean, and I can go on and on. And then I beat myself up for a very long time to, to finally realize Holy fuck! Like I, all of that shit is is self-imposed, and and I can look through that, and now I realize that I'm a beautiful being, and I, and I have this this unlimited power, and I can walk into the room now, and and make people smile, and I can help ease their pain, and you know what now, like I said, I I don't have it all figured out, and I don't you know I'm not coming across as this like enlightened soul that did some drugs now, and I, I'm I'm cool, um, but I'm but I'm not. I love myself and I love damn near everybody that I come across and, and that projects through everything that I do. And if, if that happened in, you know, on everybody in my street and then everybody in my neighborhood and then like that, that could, that could lead to a different change where, where you can still have different opinions. You can still have red team and blue team, especially now like all the politics shit going on you know, you can still have opposing opinions, but it's not like attack and kill and destroy. It's all right. How do we, you know, I like, I, I'm on this conversation with you not to tell you what I'm what I'm going through and this is my like I really want to hear what you have to say you're an interesting person I want to hear your background you have some interesting things to, to point out and help my life like let's have a dialogue a conversation um, but a lot of people are closed-minded um, in, in all aspects of their lives but if, if psychedelics can allow you to look at yourself honestly with a loving set of eyes then maybe you can look at the person that has a different opinion with that and and that just can you know after generations maybe that'll change it. Open. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I was going to kind of say 
kind of round point to kind of somewhat of the same thing you were saying um, as far as when it t- when it comes to psychedelics, when you're able to kind of step outside yourself, in turn then you can also learn to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes. So not only completely just like understanding somebody else's perspective, but when you're able to get away from your typical ego, then you're also able to understand other people's perspectives by not just attempting to understand it, but actually like putting yourself mentally in their shoes and trying to get a full round view of their perspective of things because that's something that it's kind of hard exactly to describe um that you know there's like i said trying to guess what where somebody else is coming from versus like fully accompanying yourself within their views and opinions to be able to understand their perspective because then at that point it's like you can actually come to a conclusion in the middle when you're able to see both both people's sides and maybe maybe that's partly what it comes down to is kind of getting into the idea that psychedelics aren't necessarily meant for everyone maybe they're not necessarily meant for everyone at all maybe they're intended for only like you know one in ten to be able to inter- interact with but now because of that one in ten now you have a voice of reason within those 10 people it's able to take the perspectives from the five and from the other four and actually be able to help find a meeting point in the center it's almost like kind of going back to into like the shamanic practices that were done for years and years and they're still being done in certain areas too that uh you know you have like your one shaman and then the rest of the village isn't necessarily doing all of these regular journeys but because they have that one guy that kind of is able to see things in a different perspective he's able to bring the whole group together and maybe that's again what what it's more so about is that again it's not for everybody but rather you just need one person that's able to do it and connect the two sides together by being able to stand a little bit on the fence on both sides yeah i i agree um and and like i said not that everybody needs to, to do psychedelics i think people can find this through meditation through you know just just quieting their mind but um just to approach interpersonal relationships, communications with a with a, a quiet mind as opposed to a stressed mind uh, is always going to be a beneficial thing. And today's society, people just get so so worked up on everything. And you know, you were saying that you had a, a struggle with alcohol, um, and and I think that's 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 one of the biggest things I want to you know talk about too is is I was a, a hardcore alcoholic for 20 plus years of my life and I never did any prescription pills um I was always very anti anything pharmaceutical but I know a lot of people do a combination of not only alcohol but also prescription pills and that seems to be this like common trend of of just everybody has their own shit but instead of dealing with them and facing them and and, and dealing with them head on and doing that shadow work and and fighting your demons people are just clouding their minds and running from it with alcohol and all these mind-numbing like zombie pills where you're not having any emotions you're not experiencing anything and uh that's just that's not sustainable either you know and and there's the the way to handle it is is to address your root causes go back to your childhood traumas if you have any or, or whatever your perceived issues you think you were and and address them and it's such a freeing and liberating power uh to have over yourself because you can you can put all of those those you know dos, dark aspects of your your psyche in the, the proper perspective um you know and i'm not somebody that that thinks there's like this ego death thing where you just you transcend and now you're good and you're just like you never have to deal with that shit um you know my my ego and, and all the, sh- the the nastier parts of my story are still there and and i use them for the power and strength that they provide me which is uh, you know, I had that badge. I, I won that test. I, 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 you know, I'm on now to the next stage and uh, I'm going to use that to my advantage. 
See, I'm glad that you brought up the whole pharmaceutical concept because this is something that I like to address a lot on the show is the fact that the people that would rather go to a therapist versus like a psychologist is kind of the difference between people that are willing to do the self-work versus people that are willing that just want to essentially have a band-aid over something. Because when you go to like a psychologist, for example, they might tell you ways to be able to cope with yourself in the means of, you know, try this, try this thought pattern. Why don't you try to change the way you think about things like this? Why don't you do, um, you know, when you think of a negative thought, instead back it up with three positive thoughts where they actually kind of give you ways to do the work yourself versus just having like a one pill to throw over everything. Like essentially that's that's kind of what psychedelics do. And a lot of the people that are into that type of research do tend to push a lot more people with like PTSD, um, addiction, depression, all that more towards psychedelics because they know that those are the people that are willing to put in the work mentally um, on both sides of the, if, whether it be light or whether it be dark, both sides need to be done properly in order to bring yourself into a comfortable spot within the middle uh, versus like when you go to like a therapist, for example, that just kind of say like, the, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? And then they give you some type of pharmaceutical drug that essentially dampens your emotion. You know, th that isn't necessarily like doing the work and they try to give you like that bandage to just not really feel anything. And, you know, for a lot of people, I guess that's what they kind of want is to essentially feel nothing because that's why people tend to fall into the path of these different addictions is because rather than trying to feel everything and actually understand themselves, they want to just shut it all off and feel absolutely nothing. Where I know I've talked about a bunch of times on the show, the whole idea of like mind expanding drugs versus mind mind uh, dampering drugs. Um, and I hate actually using the words drugs as far as like when you're using this as like a tool, pharmaceutical stuff is definitely like a drug because it's dampening your senses to everything like that. But, um, kind of getting into the more like woo woo spiritual side of everything too. Um, you know, I feel like there's things that are connected to each of these. And I know I talked about it on that last interview that you said you, you would listen to with Rob. Um, but rather that, you know, if there is some type of like natural beings, like, um, like, say like a mother earth, for example, um, those would be attached to the more spiritual natural plants where it seems like a lot of this like synthesized stuff might have more dark beings type of attached to them. And you get into like the whole like energy vampire type concept. It seems like uh, a lot of the time there's just this dark, you hear this whole crazy dark backstory uh, when it comes to the development of any of these like pharmaceutical drugs that it kind of makes you wonder if there was some type of like dark being dark outside force that may have influenced these things to actually come so that they can actually like harvest that negative energy from people because they're keeping them in those negative vibrations. And it kind of makes you wonder if that's partly also been why there's been such a suppression of mind expanding drugs. And even the like, the, start, the places are starting to legalize some of the mind-expanding drugs. They're also looking into synthetic ways to produce them, like they're trying to pull it away from that natural spiritual side and kind of keep it within that negative vibration realm. Um, it, it's, it's just kind of like a weird back and forth. Like it's, It goes into whether or not you actually are willing to do the work and you, or you, and you want to keep actually expanding your consciousness and actually get to a new point where you actually learn how to self-sustain yourself or if you want to fall back into the negative vibration and essentially just have a Band-Aid slapped over something so you don't feel anything and you don't really go necessarily more negative, but you don't necessarily go more positive either. You just kind of stay in that stagnant point. And that's what a lot of those like, you know, behavioral pharmaceutical drugs end up doing for you rather than you actually, again, doing the work yourself. Yeah, and it's horrible. Um, and not to like... 
I don't necessarily say you have to who it was, but it was a family member. Um, and she, you know, she uses alcohol and, and like three or four different prescription pills to, to deal with her stress and anxiety. And, and, you know, she's a highly functioning person, but she was like, I don't want to have highs and lows. She was, I don't think I've cried in, in like seven years is actually what she said. Not like I cried almost every fucking day. Like I cried multiple times a day and, and that that's a good energy release. Not, not because of bad or depression shit, just, uh, you know, from just being a highly emotional and connected person. Um, but she said point blank, I don't want to have those. I don't want to remember my dreams. I don't want to have, like, I tell her how empathetic and sympathetic I am. And I, I see people's colors and ours. And I, I can understand, I can see somebody or feel somebody that's sad around a corner that I didn't even know there was anybody in that room. But I know there's somebody in there with putting out that. And she's like, I don't want to have any of that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, I was talking to a couple of car guys the other day, and we were using, using this analogy. And I think it's applicable about, Either, like you were saying, mind expanding or mind numbing. And, you know, if, if you have an older car and there's no indicator lights on it, you're fucked. Like, you don't know when the when it's overheating or when you're running low on oil, let alone, you know, when your, your air tire uh, pressure is low or any of these indicator lights, when, they, when the windshield wiper fluid's low. Where, look, with a newer car, you have all these indicator lights. You know not only that the tire is low, but you know which tire is low and what the actual pressure is. And, you know, wouldn't you want more indicator lights wouldn't you want more ways of knowing how your body's responding and how it's connecting and it seems like a, a lot of people and a lot of these drugs and, and certainly alcohol they just it's like putting a piece of masking tape over them so it's like oh you're, you're stressed and 40 pounds overweight well god forbid you change your diet and go to the the gym or you know your relationships are horrible you've had three breakups and every woman you've ever been with is calling you an asshole and ended up crying well it's because you're a narcissistic belligerent drunk who's using his size and, and look to, to intimidate people like no shit like you know you, but you, most people don't want to hear that or don't want to want to be told that they're wrong or you know no you're the reason that all the shit in your life is bad they want to know it's this and this and you know if only i had this job or if only i got a raise or if i was only in this relationship it'd be better or if i only had a, a gym i could and it's just you know and that's what i was doing ultimately was just running from all of my internal shit, I was looking for external um, solutions to my internal problems, and uh, I don't think you can. I don't, you know, if you're doing shrooms or, or DMT to go to a rave or a party, you know, I guess there's a time and a place for that. But if you're doing psychedelics with the actual intent to look deeply within yourself to understand where you're at currently, what you need to do, uh, I don't think that there's a, a a better way to do it than you know a, a quiet room, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of kind of branches. Do you do it by yourself or do you do it with a guide? You know, it may be that similar to like going to the gym. Some people need a trainer. Some people love going by themselves. It, it, you know, either or. Do you do it with sights and sounds or do you do it in, in quiet isolation? You know, there's all these things you got to figure out. But if your plan is to look deeply within yourself to try to understand where you're at, psychedelics can really hold that, that, that mirror Um where you know every conversation you have is on truth serum but and, and now you've asked this and, and everybody is it yourself is it your subconscious are you talking to actual dmt entities and gods and aliens uh or is it just your your brain on drugs and you're just having this really fucked up trip um i don't know the actual answer to that and i, and I think right now a lot of people are just you know giving their theories but whatever it is it's profound. It has lasting effect. It will change your life. It went, you know, I went from being a 40 pound overweight alcoholic asshole to being happy, content, in the best shape of my life and, and not doing destructive things. And whether it was the crazy voices in my head or DMT entity aliens coming to visit me at night, 
whatever the hell they were, it, it made me a better person. So, um, you know, but now I'll probably spend the rest of my life trying to figure out what the fuck all this energy is and who I'm communicating with. But, uh, I know it's not some drunk guy at the end of the bar singing the same old sorry thing that we're just going to bang our heads against the wall for the next 20 years. Cause that <laughs> doesn't work. I know that. I mean, I'd definitely love to dig into some of your experiences too. Cause I mean, the commonality between how close a lot of DMT experiences are with like near death experiences, uh, like the different beings you see, uh, the different feelings that you get. I always just like to understand people's perspective on what they're feeling as far as when they go through these experiences or use things such as DMT. And especially considering some of the research that I had done recently for uh, the one episode I did on DMT entities, um, I'd love to dive into some of your more like prolific experiences you had when you were uh, kind of venturing on the other side and possibly what what are some of the messages that you may have brought back as far as like things for the world or just even things for your own personal life that you feel are definitely something that everybody kind of needs to bring into their life as you know, message wise. So I think with DMT, it's, it's important to differentiate what you're using or how you're using it. You know, are you actually smoking a vaping crystal or are you drinking ayahuasca or, you know, ayahuasca brew? Um, Cause both of those, how you approach them, the length of time, like the good thing about smoking DMT crystals is it's, you know, seven, eight minutes. The ayahuasca can be, you know, 10 plus hours. So like each one is kind of, you know, what are you using it for? How are you, how are you doing it? But I would say one of the important things with DMT is the difference between one hit and two hits and three hits and four hits and five and six. And if you can push it higher is exponentially different where, you know, if you, you take that one good rip of DMT, you're going to feel it throughout your entire body. And you're, you're certainly going to get those sensations. But it's way different than taking five deep, deep hits. You know, and that's where, like, I'm sure if you've looked into DMT, Terrence McKenna and all of his, you know, quotes and everything like that come up. And, you know, his whole thing about taking, like, that one more toke. Because it's, it's, it's true, you know. So... You know, you ask like what entities and what are your pro- your prolific what some of your prolific experiences? Um, it's really when you're trying to push that. So you know, are you are you just microdosing and doing some smaller stuff? Because not every time is going to be this this crazy entity conversation. Um, I mean, I remember him kind of breaking it down between like the three hit method as far as the first one is like the waiting room. The second one gets you into the light tunnel, and then the third one is the one that breaks you on through to the other side. So, I mean, that's kind of like how I've kind of differentiated as far as like, you're definitely going to feel different emotions as you're going through each version of it. It's, and it, it's when you break through is when you start getting like that, almost like near death experiences where like, you know, when you're waiting in the waiting room versus going into the, the light tunnel or, you know, hyperspace, however you want to call it, that's where you have more of that like psychedelic mindset where it seems like there's more of a possibility that it might be like your subconscious communicating with you rather than there possibly being some external force that's communicating with you. So, and, and that's a good point. I, I, so what's your intent? So if you're trying to get like fully fucking blast off, right? So you're taking four or five deep hits as hot as you can that's when you're really going to see some some crazy entities. Um, but before that, so the typical experience would be it, it's more like like you're experiencing these sights and sounds. So, you, you know, your senses are going and you could spend hours and hours talking about all these beautiful, colorful terms describing the kaleidoscopic, you know, iridescent colors and all the morphing shapes and all that shit. There's no way to, to possibly describe whether it be DMT or shrooms. Um, 
but you you have a similar psychedelic experience where it's it's you in your body with those senses and it's everything is kind of cool and flowy but when you start pushing it to those higher levels where you're really trying to you know kind of transcend your body uh, interact with other entities and beings that's when there's a, a completely different sensation so there's this like vibratory hum where your, your body really just starts resonating and, and truly vibrating and humming and, and shaking at at some sort of frequency or vibration and level um you know a lot of times like those those sights and sounds kind of like dissipate and then it, it's more uh, of like hieroglyphic information being downloaded or uploaded uh and and that that's where it kind of gets hard to describe those entity interactions because you know is it a person is it some you know and i kind of joke it's it's not like some old scholarly guy talking in some english accent being like well adam here's you know the pyramids were built like this or you know uh the sophagio frequencies will help you understand how the brain pat like it, it's not it's not getting information like that it's just it's almost like you're you're tapping into some innate natural information source that's conveyed to you from other, something other than your five senses, and then it happens almost instantaneously. And then when you come out of this DMT session or trip, you're thinking about what you just saw or learned or who you talked with, and you're like, "How the fuck did that happen?" Um, and you know, and that's where I'm still trying to, after doing it hundreds of times and, and having a lot of these deep, deep experiences, I'm still trying to put to terms to it. You know, so is it some Jungian archetype? that it's just because I've read a lot of his philosophy that I'm seeing, you know, the motherly figure and in, in the defensive soldier guy. Uh, is it because I just watched something about UFOs that now I'm interacting with some UFOs? Is it, you know, and I don't, that, that's where that, that question goes again too. Is it just what my, you know, subjective conscious mind is creating because this is what's, what's going on and I'm just refiltering the shit or is it really, no, I am interacting with all of those things because I can say that I have, you know, and I say it in colorful language in my book how you know I've I've been fucked by the devil and I've danced with angels and I've spoken with aliens and you know it, I have like it's, it's once again it's weird to fucking say it like that but I've had interactions like that with all of those entity archetypal beings where um, I've come away a more knowledgeable person now sometimes they've been scary sometimes they've been beautiful sometimes it's it's you know like where did that come from but I'm I'm happy and honored that I'm getting that information. Uh, sometimes it's not shit you want to hear, but it's it's information coming from a different higher source or energy, or you know. And then I guess maybe like the asterisk to that was, uh, and I, I mentioned this several times before about like the the last kind of progression of my DMT trips went from seeing fancy things to then really it was. Like I was the one being explored, so like it was kind of that like alien encounter type thing where I would I would go in and it was like I was an animal on a zoo where all of these entities and things would would suck to my energy, um, and not suck like in a negative way or in a derogatory or in like a sexual offensive way, um, but they were just very curious about who I was as a being. But then that kind of morphed into I really felt it was like me and my future self experiencing me. So it was like me coming back to check in on myself to be like, Hey, good. You know, you're on path. Like you're, you know, we're doing a diagnostics, you know, maybe going back to like that, the, the car indicator lights, you know, like me somehow, some way, you know, once again, what the fuck, a different dimension from the future. I don't know what it was, but it was, I was very comforted that it was my energy coming to inspect me 
and I was able to see it in a, in a more thorough way. And now, you know, that's kind of really colored the way I go, go through this now too, because I, I feel like I'm, when I'm going into this DMT space, I'm now opened up to my own information and energy too. So in addition to these archetypal energies and from, you know, some good, some bad, but I also know that I have the ability to tap into me, which is fucking weird, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> I mean, kind of looking at stuff from a bunch of different perspectives, because there's a lot to comment on with the, with the last thing you said, a little bit to unpack. But um, so just trying to well, understand well, higher. Well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say your experience, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you and I know kind of touchy, but also positive about um, you and your um, your woman, your wife, your, your uh, girlfriend, whatever she may be, um, lost a, a child, and then you saw a six-year-old in your your being, and now you have a beautiful son, which I believe I saw a picture of today, which he is beautiful. Um, well, thank and you. That, you know, you're, you're interested in gorgeous. Actually, it was an awesome picture. Um, but you know, now is was that truly you interacting with your son's energy in the future? And and you know, you said it not in a joking way, and, and you're you're serious about pursuing that and looking at him when he's that sick and it's like if that shit really happened um and i believe your story why, why you know like it's just that's some that's some deep weird shit that you're somehow interacting with whether it be your energy or your son's energy from the future and everything's cool um it's a very comforting feeling and you're not afraid of death or or the you know transmission of energy at the end of life but it's a hard thing to to wrap your mind around not to interrupt but i know because you've experienced something like that where it's like now how the fuck do you put that in perspective yeah that's that's what i was kind of trying to unpack a little bit and I, i'm glad that you brought that up because i was actually going to start kind of bringing that into the fold a little bit as far as it goes but when it comes to like interacting with these possibly higher dimensional beings it's almost like a, like you're trying to dip, trying to understand something that isn't necessarily understandable within your function and perspective of things. It's like trying to understand like a higher dimensional being when you're just using like the typical humans, like pattern recognition. So, I mean, you know, you get into the whole idea trying to bring up some, like just a biblical perspective on it um, because it kind of breaks it down really good um, about like what the, the actual depiction of an angel would. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Where they show themselves as like a human form with wings, but when you actually break them down into like how they're described, they're like these rotating wheels with multiple eyes with different wings. So it's like it's a higher dimensional being, but they choose to try to show you somewhat of an image so that you can actually understand it within your perspective in reality. And that's kind of the same way that I viewed a lot of these like DMT beings is that they try to make it so that you can kind of somewhat understand what they are when there's something that is completely un-understandable un un within your reality. And you use pattern recognition where a lot of people start describing these like DMT entities where they have like morphing faces that change throughout. It seems like maybe they're trying to show a shape that you're familiar with while you're also using pattern recognition. So they're trying to help break themselves down so that you can view them in your perspective while you're also trying to use your pattern recognition to understand them from their perspective. But going into like the idea about like higher realms, um, I'm glad that you brought up the thing I was saying with, uh, with, 
with the story with my son and uh, for anybody that may not be familiar with that story so that I can kind of break it down real quick. Um, my girlfriend and I were trying to have our second kid and we ended up having a miscarriage and there was a period where she, there was like a lot of medical stuff involved with it where um, like it didn't want to come out. So she ended up having to get a DNC. So it was just a really emotional traumatic time. And I ended up having this like astral travel dream. And usually I always recognize when I'm astral traveling by the fact that I come back with uh, sleep paralysis after, but I ended up going into like this, this place that was almost like, seemed like it was like the middle of space. And it was like this purpley looking nebula looking place. And I wasn't necessarily like standing or sitting. I was kind of just existing within it. And I saw this kid that looked like, like, like he was like my son. And he said pretty much that that wasn't a good vessel. I'll see you on the next one. And then coming to find out a couple months later that we're, she was actually pregnant again with, with a son and now he's going on two. And I still try to remember the image of that kid's face that I saw on that. So I know if it was the same thing when it get when he gets to be around that age, but because of that, you know, I've wondered if it was something that was kind of built up subconscious or if it was actually something trying to make like contact with me. Um, but it seems like to, uh, at least to this point, his face is lining up exactly with that. So like, how would I have known my son's face before it was even functioned, considering that it's not just my face, but also a mix of like my girlfriend's face, but going into like the, the oneness kind of concept, you know, I definitely think that there is some form of like a universal consciousness, but I kind of wonder if it kind of differentiates in the aspect of like, there's, you get into like this whole soul group concept that it seems like there's a good possibility that everybody's one, but maybe it kind of divides down a little bit more past that where there is one consciousness that almost like splits between possibly even like a family to be able to see multiple different perspectives of life within that family. So I'm kind of curious if that was more of like an ancestral being or an ancestral power or aura or something like that, that was showing me that image because it is something that was in within my family group. Or if you get into the whole idea that maybe there's this place where like consciousness possibly recycles and I was possibly able to see that because of using these things as like a tool to be able to unlock that reality. Or on the other side of it, if it was a higher dimensional being that was possibly showing me a message because, you know, you get into the next step up dimensionally and time isn't necessarily linear. So if I was communicating with a being that was from a higher dimension, you know, maybe it was able to basically pluck an image from the future and show it to me directly in this timeline because time wasn't necessarily linear to that thing. Like there's so many different perspectives on what could have happened with that experience. And I try to break it down all the time and try to understand it. But when you get into this DMT realm, it seems like it's just stuff that's completely not understandable from our current perspective. And we try our best to put it into our words and perspective when realistically, even within our language, I don't think it's necessarily something that's ever going to be able to be properly portrayed within our dimension or current frequency that we're in now. So that's why I, I feel very comfortable when I say I interact with aliens or that there's alien beings be, because it's it's beyond and not not necessarily like little green men flying in, in UFOs and shit like that and not to say that there isn't um, but alien just beyond this earth beyond what we're as humans on this earth are able to perceive like it, and and you know, like I said to your point it's it's not terms or words that we can that we have right now because it's not being perceived by senses that we currently have have words for um but you just reiterating that that story um gave me goosebumps in, in two kind of twinges one because just that story of, of seeing that um and how powerful that is 
at how that changes everything and, and how that whole, um, you know, moment in your life is, is now able to be put in perspective. It's very similar, excuse me, to, to a personal story when, you know, when I was first getting into this, um, I had a couple of people reach out to me and, and kind of share their stories about their experiences with DMT and, and, you know, talking about how it finds the right person or when you need it. There was this guy, um, and without, you know, names and, and actual specifics, it was very similar to what you had done. He was, he's in his 50 years, well, around 50 years old. And about 10 years ago, uh, him and his girlfriend had two abortions over the, the course of, I guess, a relatively short amount of time. Now, that's something that had been, I guess, beating him up for, for the last 10 years. It was really something that was weighing heavy on him. Uh, it was part of his kind of like, you know, psychic trauma that he he knew he needed to to work through or was something that, you know, that it's uh, one of his, his biggest psychological issues, really. During his, his first DMT session, um, and once again, this is only minutes and minutes. So after a few minutes comes out of it and he's just, you know, crying into his hands and the way he explained the story, and this was third person from his close friend to me, was that. He saw those those two energies, those two beings of of infant energies, souls, whatever, and basically saying, "Buddy, don't worry about it. Like you didn't kill us. We're still here. Like we're, you know, not necessarily the same words. Like that vessel wasn't good, but we, we passed on. And and you know, like it's it's for a, a better reason. And whether that was in his head, whether those were real spirits, whether they weren't, this fifty year old man now can put that in the proper perspective. Uh, and whatever your take on abortions are it shouldn't 10 years later be be something that's driving this guy into the ground and to be able to put it in perspective like that is is amazing and um you know whether it be near-death experiences I, and, and i talk about this a lot too about how most people that do psychedelics and i think specifically dmt um and you know there's there's a lot of studies that tie into because it's endogenous and, and it's something that gets pulsed typically around those those times or it's it's thought to be pulsed during those times um that you just have such a lack of fear of death so imagine how this could be used therapeutically for people that are end of life. Um, my girlfriend, Alicia, who actually is the woman that wrote in my, my book, Alicia's Angle, and, and she's the one that, that's on this, the, um, I read about transcendental sex on DMT, and we can get into that maybe not this time, but next podcast about sex on, on DMT. Um, but she's an occupational therapist that works with a lot of people at end of life, and one of the women that she's really close with has just got put into hospice, hospice Excuse me, this week. Um, you know, and you can imagine how fearful that must be if, if you are afraid of death. Imagine whether, whether you're young and terminally ill or at the end of life just because you're elderly, how horrifying that must be if you're really afraid of death, where a couple hits of DMT and now puts everything in perspective. And yeah, you're still going to die. You're still sick. You still have cancer, whatever it may be. But now you can pass on in peace. Um, and I just think with, with all the morphine and all the, the shit and all the chemicals and, and all the stuff that they're pumping into these people, you can't tell me a, a natural plant-based medicine like DMT that's derived from thousands of different plants and can be made like, I don't know, that, that, that needs to be worked into how we, we care for people, which then, then maybe leads into the, you know, a, a good way to, to kind of like big picture this is that, that change of human consciousness. So what is, what is the next step? What are we doing? Like what, it's not destruction. It's not hoarding resources. It's not all of that shit. It's, being being really connected with who we are energetically and the more research that goes into DMT I, I fully believe that of, of all the psychedelics um, DMT is going to be keep to be shown that it has a, a lot of, of benefits for uh, quality of life 
contentment, happiness, a sense of self, a sense of being, um, which is horribly lost right now for a lot of people. Hey, I mean, by doing the psychedelic research, we might actually even end up proving more spiritual, more spiritual concepts to actually be true, such as like the idea of like heaven. I mean, no matter what religious perspective you come from, there's always this, this paradise that's on the other side. And it seems like there's a good chance that when you're, yeah, or even inside. Yeah. So, I mean, when you take psychedelics, for example, and you feel that like one with everything, you feel this love, you feel this over sensing over overwhelming sense of happiness, you know, it, it seems like it kind of describes and fits that whole idea of Nirvana or of paradise or of heaven that, you know, they, they haven't fully scientifically proven it yet, but they try, they claim that, you know, the pineal gland more than likely probably produces DMT. Like I've known that they've they've proved it in rats at least, but they haven't necessarily proved it in people yet. So just the fact that there is a good possibility that your brain might produce that. And there might be this massive swarm that happens right as you die, you know, kind of just proves the fact that maybe it is something that humans are, we're connected to, or we have a necessity for in order to help us get to that other side. And what people see on the other side, when they take DMT, you know, it may not necessarily be on the inside. It might be literally that heaven, that nirvana, that, that place that you go to on the, on the other side that you get a glimpse of when you take some of these, when you, you know, ingest some of these substances and maybe the reason why it helps so much when people are near the end and they're starting to transfer over is because they're actually not just experiencing it within themselves, but they're actually seeing what happens on the other side. And unfortunately, this is one of those things that it's like you can create a bunch of different theories on it, but you can't necessarily full-blown prove it because you can't have necessarily somebody come back from that other side. But just another perspective that, you know, that's the realm that we go to after we pass away. And that's the reason why we feel the way we feel on that other side is because that is the heaven, that is the nirvana that everybody speaks of. And it's just, uh, it, it, again, it's something that we're in naturally intended to do at the end of life to help us transfer over. And I mean, you know, like I said, your brain might naturally produce it and actually give you a big blast of it at the end. Um, but maybe if you were actually ingesting those and taking them, maybe it would even help even more so to be able to transfer over to the other side where maybe, I don't know if you get into necessarily like the whole like purgatory concept, but maybe if more people did that at the end of life, there'd be less people that are in this like spirit realm purgatory because then they're actually willing to push over to the other side because it's almost like they're getting a glimpse of it instead of being scared to go into the light and see what the other side is. Yeah, I, you know, you, you bring up religion, and one of the, the things that, and I'm not some, you know, like religious scholar, but I, I did after, um, I guess it would be a good point how I approached it. Um, I studied entomology for almost eight years when I was in college, so I was, you know, a trained scientist with, like, the nitty-gritty of, of insects, and I really was, like, a true atheist, where everything was data, 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 um, and, and I really, I, I didn't believe anything that had to do with religion. Uh, and then when I graduated college, I started studying a lot of the world's religions um, and realized that that really they're, they're describing this the same thing, which is, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, how, how do you put to words this, this our existence, our, our um, interaction with reality? It's, it's hard to explain, and I think that's why there's all these different ways of trying to explain it. But it's a very common thread between a lot of the world's religions, which is that the, you know heaven is within. That you know, get rid of all the material goods and, and find quiet in your brain, and you'll you'll be able to you know reach that nirvana. Uh, 
and and there's also a lot of common stories of you know going into the to the desert or into the cave for three days or you know the the mystery uh, initiation rites that are being taken in these these dark rooms with drinking sorts of liquids and shit like that. Um, I have you know no doubt that there were psychedelics being used to interact with these higher beings and spirits. Um, I mean, that might be part of the suppression on why a lot of them became illegal too, was because of the fact that they didn't want everybody to have the ability to quote, communicate with God, so to speak. Yeah. And, and, And it sucks to say it like that. Like, but control and manipulation is something that unfortunately a human species has, has been, you know, been dealing with forever. And I don't think it's, it's going away anytime soon, but, uh, it can start with just having a, a better sense of of who we are and how we connect to to other people, um, but that you know that that common thread of of, of just quieting your your mind and uh, like a, a lot of the the breathing techniques um, that are said to produce DMT and and I you know I practice a lot of those and and I tell you 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 can get into very psychedelic and and you know really fucked up states of mind just by sitting quietly and just by controlling your breath and just by controlling the fluids in your body and understanding and, and feeling them. Uh, I can imagine doing that, you know, in, in a mountain somewhere, in a desert somewhere for several days or weeks or months like people used to do thousands of years ago because there was no TV, there was no whatever. Uh, you can only get more connected to source, to being, to God, to, to whatever those entities and spirits are. Um, and, and that's really that's that's definitely lacking today uh and i i think one of the more important things about, about doing the psychedelics is once again that intention and setting so if you're going to do shrooms for seven eight ten hours you know typically you're, you're taking the day off you're anticipating it you're, you're planning it for weeks or months out where most people you know will argue to themselves that they don't have an hour for yoga or they don't have 45 minutes a day to go to the gym where you know, if, if you're taking that time to dedicate towards yourself, that's 90% of the battle right there. So, you know, even if you could take, you know, yeah, I could do shrooms for eight hours, but I would also probably get just as much benefit if I went and sat cross-legged on a, a beach for eight hours and really just prayed and meditated, you know? So it, that's, that's what's probably needed more than high doses of shrooms is just <laughs> peace and quiet and, and, um, you know, and that was also one of the, the major things that I, that I happened when I started using psychedelics was I was always really caught up in, in the past or the future and, and all the all the shit that I needed to rectify to both and what dots I needed to connect. And psychedelics really allowed me to just be truly and comfortably in the peaceful now, like truly right here, right now, this moment, this second, every day, all day. Um, and that's also a very empowering place to be. And like I said, it doesn't mean that, well, the bills that I do tomorrow, what you don't worry about, you don't think about them now until tomorrow. Like, no, I know the fucking bills are still due tomorrow. But it, it's being, do I have a, a cold glass of juice and a, and a warm, you know, and a bowl pack of weed right here and, and a nice bed? And yeah, you know, like just fucking chill. Be here. Or if you're making love to a beautiful woman, don't be worrying about your job the next morning. Or, you know, if you're at your kid's basketball game, don't be thinking about how you really should be home working, you know, cutting the grass. Like, no, be there at your kid's baseball game or basketball game. Like, just be be there. Be present. Um, and once it's, I, it's not like, oh, psychedelics is going to do this for everybody. You, just take the fucking time for yourself. F- for me, that's I needed the psychedelics to actually take the time for myself. But um, 
because if you don't do it for yourself, it's going to be a divorce out of nowhere that you didn't think, or it's going to be your boss telling you to go screw, or it's going to tell your, you know, your, your 18 year old daughter now doesn't want to talk to you because you're a drunk alcoholic asshole. And, you know, she sees how you treat your mom. You know, there's so many scenarios that I hear from people where it's just like, if, if you don't smack yourself out of that routine, something will, um, and whether it be a, a good friend telling you, hey, you're acting like an idiot or a therapist that you actually trust um, or yourself looking at yourself in a mirror, whatever it is, just have the balls to face it because then you can then you can be the good dad, the good boss, the good boy, you know, whatever the fuck it, you, you need to be. But I see so many zombies walking around today like I like I was several years ago. And it's just it's, it's sad um, because I know they're going home crying just like I was. <laughs> and it's uh I don't know, I, like, you know, it's saying about how I finally saw my light and my beauty and my positivity, and it's just like I could imagine if, if everybody walked around skipping around like I do, like how much beautiful art would be put into this world, how many great books would be written, how many, you know, like, just, uh, the elderly people would be taken care of, the kids would be taught, like, the sick people would be taken, like, there's just, it would solve so much, so much shit if people's minds were just right and not sick themselves. Hey man, that's probably part of the whole thing with psychedelics too, is that it learn it teaches you how to like rewire your brain. And the way that everybody's kind of been raised is that, you know, everybody think about stuff that's happened in the past and you've got to progress towards this point in the future. And that's just the, the system that everybody's been raising at this point, where it's just like a really hard perspective for people to just really sit down and enjoy and appreciate the now. And I mean, with everything starting to get like worse as far as like financially, economically, like all of that, it seems like people are starting to appreciate the here and now more because now, you know, as messed up as it sounds, less people see like a future to look forward to. So they actually learn to appreciate the now. And maybe that's why there's a little bit more of like an upspike as far as, um, you know, people actually being interested in figuring out some of the lessons that psychedelics could teach you is because people are trying to learn more about how to be okay with who you are, what you're doing, everything that's happening in front of you right now. Because again, if you keep just planning for the future, you're missing what's happening right now. And in turn, like, like you were saying, you know, down the line, you're going to wonder why, you know, your kids don't want to talk to you. It's because you spent all of your time wondering about what you're going to do tomorrow versus being there and present with them. And I mean, even beyond psychedelics, that's just a huge life lesson anyways, is just to be present. And especially with like today too, I mean, people are attached to phones, they're attached to computer screens, they're attached to everything. So, I mean, even within that, like people aren't necessarily in the here and now people got to learn how to like put that stuff down and really exist with the people that you love and care about around you. And like I said, you know, maybe it's, you know, just one person in a group of people needs to do psychedelics. But if that person starts getting into that wavelength of being present with the family, it's going to increase the happiness and elevation of the entire family. Such as like, if you were a father with alcoholism, um, you know, like I was, for example, you know, I was portraying my angry emotions onto everybody around me at the time. And all it took was for me to realize what was happening and actually put myself into perspective. And then in turn, just because of me correcting myself, then the other people around me are now living a happier life because they're not having to deal with the stress that I'm putting on them from my own issues that I'm dealing with myself. It's kind of like, you know, you spark a light and it's not just producing light for just that light itself, but it's also producing light for the things that are existing around it too. Spreading the light and preventing the spread of darkness. You know, it, it's a it's a it multiplier of beneficial. You know, it's not only are, are you the 
the foundational um you know family guy that you need to be you're not the destructive asshole it's just such a such a better way um but you know i i wanted to say too about how the, the science now is is really backing up a lot like you know we're talking about ancient days and people that they'd go and meditate and pray and, and how yeah how that would obviously get you connected but there, there's now you know there's a lot of legit science like i mentioned in my book joe dispenza um you know, he's a guy that, that backs up what he says about how the physiology of your body changes when you're doing meditation and, and you know, how that the chemical flushes in your brain happen from, you know, serotonin breaks down to this and that, like, a chemical change, then, you know, that's where the DMT comes in. And um, it's being shown that after a certain amount of sessions, there, there are new pathways in your brain opening up. The synapses are growing and new synapses are forming. Like, it's not... You know, some being like, oh, sit down and, and pray and do some shrooms and your brain's going to be better flowing. It's like, no, the brain scans flow that, prove that. Excuse me. The, the brain scans are showing that there's now information being brought to this side where there wasn't. That there's now, you know, the two hemispheres are now interacting where they weren't before. And that this is stimulating this and that wasn't happening before. And that's the, that's the cool thing where, um, like, I've been talking to the Monroe Institute where they're, they're using, like, sound frequencies to stimulate the brain to, like, to help people astral project and to do all this, this crazy shit where they're, you know, helping tap into extra sensory perception by having the, the, the brain listen to different information. Um, and it, like I said, it's, you, you sell that to somebody and they'd be like, you're fucking nuts. Like, why would you go spend money on a program like that? It's like, well, because look at the brain scans, look at the data, look at, listen to the stories of the people that are coming out. And it's, I think, you know, at some point there's going to be this critical mass where, the stories that we're sharing and, and like the Monroe Institute and, you know, the, these people at like Imperial College that are studying all this shit on, on DMT, um, they, they can only be so many stories like this. Like you were just saying, you just did a, a recent document uh, documentary. Five, 10, 20 years from now, I think DMT is going to be not necessarily old news, but it, it's it's going to be like such a, oh yeah, of course. Like it, it's a natural part of so many things. Um, and use it as the tool that it should be um the, one of the guys that works on it or studying it quite a bit and has written a bunch of good books uh andrew gallimore he uses it as a, uses the term technology and that it really is a technology and if you you know approach it like that with the respect and reverence that a technology is it really can be used f for extreme good and, and whether it just be expansion of consciousness or creating cool art or whatever like it can be used as a technology to interact with the world way on, on way deeper levels than we're doing now so why not you know like in my opinion there's no reason why not to go down that rabbit hole there's no reason not to explore it further if you're not harming anybody if you're not um you know obviously within boundaries but uh i love seeing where that this psychedelic exploration is going and and in the the setting of colleges and in laboratories but also in you know people like us that are kind of just doing our own thing and, and exploring it ourselves because together we can bring that where uh we can really share some stories i mean everybody I can't be denied everybody talks about this whole idea about elevating frequency and elevating just as a whole 
So, I mean, maybe that's part of it is that just to kind of try to break down a bit of an analogy for it, you know, people weren't always necessarily intended to drink like cow's milk, for example, but you had little groups of people that were drinking a little bit and eventually they were able to adapt. And now it's something that everybody can consume. So it kind of makes you wonder if it might be the same with psychedelics when it comes to elevating frequency or vibrations of people that you have to have the people that are willing to sample it, try it out, just get a little bit of it going within the human consciousness. And then in turn, a couple generations later, maybe that's what we'll need in order to get to the next next dimension, so to speak, where we can all exist in a higher realm is it's about you have to try to it's not like you can just throw yourself into it one day. It has to be a progression through people. And if people are making it so their brains have to interpret higher realities, higher dimensions, in turn, a couple generations later, or even a couple hundred generations later, maybe it might become a natural part of the human consciousness again, where we will be able to perceive these higher dimensions without a use of a tool in order to get there, because it'll be something that we've all naturally elevated to get to. But we're in that phase right now where we have to trial and error it and make it so that we can all eventually get to that point again. Oh, well said. I think that's my hope. Because it's either that avenue or self-destruction, ruin the planet, um, everybody burns and dies and everything goes to shit. All right? I mean, that that's clearly the way, it, that's the way it's going. Uh, it doesn't seem positive. There's way more hate than love right now. And But I say that. There does seem to be, and, and hopefully with the next generation, uh, there seems to be like less hatred, less racism, less bigotry, less all of that shit with the younger group of people um and i say younger will it be teenage um you know i've got a couple younger nieces uh, just it's it's different uh, well, i hope it's different I, I think i think it is changing but uh there needs to be a kind of shift at the top too and and it's and psychedelics i think really is, is a, a, a small part of it it really is just a don't treat people like assholes but like i said people treat themselves like assholes so if, if people could just treat others the way they want to be treated but you got to figure out how you want to be treated yourself and most people aren't happy with themselves and don't treat themselves well but if you can do that that internal work um and i think maybe that was a, a positive thing that i think covid was uh, that seemed to be the catalyst that set off a lot of people's kind of inner reflection and kind of like what are we doing here because it, it put everything on its head uh and i think that probably backfired on the you know the the dark powers to be that we're trying to control a lot of people and, and realize everybody else kind of like rebelled. It was like, no, there's, there's way more to this shit. Um, and if I can't go without them, I'm going to go, you know, within. And um, once again, if you're going within to find yourself, then then it's much easier to, to go through the world uh, offering a helping hand to somebody because you, you your, your empathy has increased so much. You know, like I, I went from having everything in the world and the fancy cars and the multiple houses and the vacations to literally living on the streets with homeless people, like sharing a joint with a guy that smelled like piss. And and it's like, and, and he had probably more than I had because I didn't, he didn't have all the debt that I had. And it's like, um, it's it, not to say I would have been a dick prior to this, but I, I would have said some sort of judging thing. And well, if I, you know, he could have went to school, he could have did this, he can find a job. It's like, well, no, you don't, you don't know what the hell this man went through or this woman went through. And to take a second before you judge somebody to actually look at them like a being that you, you love and that you're part of, uh, just, it starts a conversation in a completely different way. You know, you, <laughs> how would you like to, because I was that guy that used to, you know, I could show up in fancy shoes and a pressed jacket and all that shit, or, 
I could show up like I hadn't shaved in three weeks and I had bad breath and, and I had stains all over my clothes. And, you know, like, I just wanted people to know, like, why the fuck don't judge me because I looked one way a month ago and I look this way now. And um, I'll never look at anybody other than an equal to myself. And not to say they're not jerks or dickheads or that, you know, some people don't suck. They certainly are, but um, they get to prove that to me that they suck. Right now, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that, that they're a being that deserves love first. I mean, just another way of kind of breaking it down too is, uh, you know, with a lot of psychedel- with psychedelic experiences, sometimes you really start to realize that the reason why you don't like particular people is because you see stuff that you fear in them or because you see aspects that you don't like of yourself within those people. So a lot of the people that'll look down on people that are homeless, for example, and they have money, the reason why they do that when they start taking psychedelics or realize it subconsciously is because their fear is to be at that point. So they need to talk down on those people to make themselves feel one better about themselves and two, to be like, basically say like, I'll never be at that point. I'll never fall to that because I know how to mentally think my way out of getting to be like this. So you end up again, attacking somebody because of your own insecurities and your own fears. And even with other people around you too, you know, you might not like the guy that's like a big loudmouth, for example, because you're like a quiet person. You don't think it's called for blah, 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 blah. But then you start realizing that the reason why you may not like that guy is because you wish that you were able to speak up more. So you hate that person because they're something that you wish you could be like you start, once you start kind of seeing stuff from a different perspective, you start realizing that a lot of your hatred that you project out in the world, again, is out of your own insecurities, your own fears, and your own aspects of yourself that you don't like that you see in others. And what a valuable tool to have to, to interact with your loved one, to interact with your kids, your boss, your neighbor, you know, to have that, that power over yourself. Um, and I didn't mention this particular detail. I, I do mention it in my book. Um, you know, it's not it's not something I'm proud of, but the, the catalyst that set off really my my like oh fuck moment was um, I threatened to kill a man over 900 bucks. You know, so I had this this cozy job where I was making a shit ton of money. You know, 900 bucks at that point in my life was absolutely nothing. Um, but this younger guy fucked me over 900 bucks. I, I called him out on it. It didn't get resolved the way I thought it should. And you know, I got my 900 bucks back, but it's it still I didn't get the, the the answers that I wanted. And I threatened to kill him. And as a grown man, he looked at me and was like, yeah, fuck you. I'll kill you too. And it got, you know, it got really serious really, really quick. Uh, that happened on a Sunday. Monday morning, I woke up and I was like, fuck it. I'm driving her to California to hug a redwood tree. And that, that was literally the start of my year and a half or so on the road. Um, I drove 26 hours that first day, landed in Kansas City. And from there, I just kind of spent, I, I literally pissed through 70, 80, 90 grand going through all these awesome places, which was, it was great. It ended up saving my life. But in retrospect, it's like, couldn't I have just had a, a, a calm conversation about how I felt, you know, so this whole reason was I felt butthurt. I felt this guy didn't respect me. I felt how dare he, like all of the, these things where, you know, I was trying to come off and puff up my chest as this big, tough guy, big man. And it was like, all I'm doing, it was because I had all these insecurities about myself. I had all these insecurities about my position with the company, or maybe I was afraid of losing it. Or, you know, there was all this, this myriad of reasons that showed my weakness and my insecurity and my lack of, of knowledge of myself. That in a three-minute interaction with this guy, I lost fucking everything. Now, was he wrong? Yep. Did he screw me over 900 bucks? Yep. Should the better been, you know, all of those things are true facts. But the fact that I didn't have the composure to know myself enough to not threaten to kill somebody. And why the hell would you ever kill somebody over 900 bucks? Like, that that's not a reason to kill anybody. Um, but, like, that, that lack of self-awareness and lack of self-control cost me a lot. And, and 
you know, whether it be an interaction like that or an interaction with your, your wife that you've been with for, you know, 40 years and you're going to blow up on a fight over something where it's like, no, just take a breath and realize where you're at. Um, like I, I know alcohol and pills and doing that shit will certainly not have you have that clarity. I'm not saying DMT and shrooms will give you that clarity, but if, if there's some sort of middle ground or, you know, a, a way to understand that, you know, learn the lessons that I've learned or other people that have, that have fucked up as bad as I have without fucking up. Um, that would be the, the ultimate goal. But if you've already fucked up, then, you know, realize what you're doing and stop. Like, it's really just that, that simple. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> you know, if you overweight, you know, I hate to say, it, you know, if you lose weight, if you're an alcoholic, stop drinking. If, if you're, if people don't like you, stop being an asshole. You know, if, if you're broke, you got to do something to get money. I mean, you know, there, there's some basics that it's just like, yeah, but most people don't want to hear that. Exactly. I mean, so we've definitely dived into a lot of different variations as far as this topic goes. And I definitely feel like this is more of like an introduction more so than anything that we can get into a lot more deep conversation pertaining to a lot of this stuff. But we at least had to have like a first interaction and kind of start to see each other's grounds or wherever everybody stands at. But uh, I definitely want to be able to have you on this, in the future. This was dark. We get to talk about the fun stuff, like the the art and science and sex on drugs and the the fun expansion of mind and the fun stuff too. But you can't have and you said this on other podcasts. You can't have the dark without the light. You can't experience the good without the bad. You can't have you know this is this is is probably the. A, a perfect way to start because w without this, you can't talk about all the beautiful, fun stuff in the eight hours of ecstatic tantric sex or the, you know, the, the times where you do DMT 10 times in a day and you, you really, you know, you get five years of therapy in it, whatever, or you interact with your future six-year-old son. Like what, you know, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of beautiful things like that, that can, can be explored and, and can and will and should be, but Unfortunately, it starts with the death and destruction and the, you know, <laughs> honestly, that's, that's how the, how the experience shit, goes is generally, you know, you have, you have to deal with that stuff before you can get to the enjoyable stuff. So I feel like as far as the psychedelic experience goes, this conversation completely fits the spectrum on how it goes, which means that next time, like you were saying, we can get into all of the light positive stuff, but you have to lay down the dark groundwork because you usually the basement's dark and then you got to build up from there to get to the, you know, the cathedral, the beautiful parts of the house. So we've definitely just laid the groundwork as far as this stuff goes, which means that next time we can start building up to get into the beautiful side of it. Yeah, maybe like end of summer will be tanned, you know. I won't be broke anymore. We'll talk about some my new book will be out. We'll, your your kid will be a little bit older, you know, we'll all be good. Absolutely. And uh, at least for the little bit of time that we have left to um, you know, because you were talking about your book so much and I definitely want to make sure that we get a chance to kind of push it out a little bit so that people can go and check it out. Um, for anybody that might be interested in checking out your book, uh, why don't you kind of give them like a rough rundown of what exactly they're going to find in the book. And of course, where they can come and find the book themselves if they want to, they want to pick one up, pick up a copy for themselves. Uh, so again, it's called Butler's DMT field guide. And, and I named it that because I want it to be an approachable field guide. You know, it's not a three or four or 500 scientific reference book. It's, it's not, you know, a, a bunch of, um, you know, my trip reports. It really is just, you know, a, a brief summary. Uh, I have recipes in the book about how to make it. Uh, it's, it's a really simple recipe. I'm not telling anybody to break any rules, but, um, you know, it, it is something that you really can make pretty simply. Um, and then some kind of do's and don'ts. As far as uh, where it's at, 
you can get it on you know Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all all the the major bookstore places. Um, it is. I just put out the audio book a couple weeks ago, so that was kind of a, a fun process. So it's actually read by myself and and the other people that wrote in the book. Um, so Audible, iTunes, all that shit. It's actually crazy that like a year ago. I was the person that was in all the shadows. I wanted nothing, like I wanted nobody to know my story. And now, you know, I'm sitting there trying to promote and push a book. It's, I think it's sold in like ten countries so far. Like it's, it's, it's out there. It's the word's kind of spreading. But um, yeah, any any help? And I, maybe if I could say this, this is one of those maybe pet peeves. Is if there's any other authors out here that they'd be like, yeah, this guy's on. If you like the book and you bought it, like, please review it and leave a. Or ideally a five star <laughs> review, because all the all the places that sell books, it's all algorithms. So whether it's on Amazon, whether it's Audible, like if people don't like it and people don't comment on it, you know, same thing with your show. Like you know, you ask people, please subscribe, please like, and please whatever, because it it goes a long way. So, oh yeah, that's definitely the truth. Any anybody doing any type of creative anything, if you if any any listeners out there enjoy any uh, anything that you're seeing. You know, make sure you guys leave reviews, share it, all of that, because that's the only way that it's going to get into the get brought into the light for even more people, and uh, just or even constructive criticism too. Exactly. You know, even yep. If, whatever. If you have something you don't like about it, cool. You know, I'll fix it on my next book. Like, but yeah, <laughs> comment, please. <laughs> and uh, at least before we get into like the complete end of the show, like you were saying, this was kind of a little bit more of like a darker aspect to like the DMT realm, and really starting to like getting into the reasons why people start getting into this realm of thinking and wanting to be able to experiment with these things in order to understand themselves reality. Um, but to, just to kind of leave stuff on a high note, I know a lot of people when it comes to this DMT stuff, they definitely enjoy hearing some trip reports. So, um, you know, before we start wrapping up and everything, um, you know, it might be a fun time to get into what you might describe as like your most beautiful experience or trip report, um, just as a tail in, like I said, just to kind of, kind of bring it up a little bit instead of leaving it on a low note, let's bring it up onto a high note. Sure. How about the trip that saved my life? Perfect. Um, that's a great way to end it. Um, <laughs> no, and, and really it was, it was that, that first day that actually I was exposed to, to DMT. Um, and I, I kind of go over the, the lengthy process over how basically about an hour and a half, I did about seven, eight sessions, and each session was multiple hits. And each each kind of time, I pushed it further and further. And all the the sessions leading up to that last one were, you know, and each one was uniquely profound and, and beautiful sights and sounds and all of that. But the the last one was the one that, and, and I pleaded with the universe, li- literally with tears in my eyes, like I I please, like I I need some answers. Like if I don't get something from this, I'm I'm off. Like and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not fucking coming back, man. And uh. All the, the the crazy sights and sounds, all the the weird vibrations, all of the the things that my my body was feeling and experiencing on that last session, everything instantly stopped. Everything went completely pitch quiet. Uh, all the the vibration hum stopped, the sight stopped, and and it really felt, you know, when you kind of explaining like you were just in this like suspended space and you were kind of like floating there. Um, and I had this this conveyance of of information to say. Basically, the, the sum of it was I was always trying to connect all of these huge proverbial dots in my life. So I had all of the past, all the future. What's all this shit going on? And it really was, oh, you want to try to connect these dots? All right, cool. Here's, here's a thousand dots connected. And as soon as those were connected, it shattered. And then there was like a million dots. And then they connected those and that shattered. And then like a billion dots. And then that shattered. And it was just this infinite of like, you fucking human asshole. You, the plan is not to connect all the dots. The plan is to enjoy the spaces between the dots. That's the, the point is to have the spaces between the dots and, and to have that interaction and to have the fluid motion and, and 
really it changed my entire perspective because instead of spending all of my my mental energy focused on putting a, a nice bow on all of this shit and trying to figure out why all this is happening, I, I just realized I don't need to connect all of this. I, I just need to experience it. I just need to be here right now to experience this dot, not the fucking million before and the million coming. Just what am I learning from this dot? Because that's where you need to be. And uh, like I said, that changed. Literally, I, I came out of that and... I was a new man. Like once again, I, now I still had, now I had no job, no relationship. I was broke. I just threatened to kill a man. I, you know, I, I had a lot of shit that, that needs to, to be fixed now. But, um, I knew I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life in that, that state of like, oh fuck, everything needs to be fixed. Everything needs to be connected. Right now I'm just cool. I got a dot with a lot of spaces around it and I, I love it, man. I, I'm, I'm playing a game. I'm not trying to win the game. Uh, cause it's a game that I made. Uh, it's a game specifically for me. And, and I got to enjoy it, not fucking beat myself up over it. Sometimes that, you got to destroy that before you can rebuild. And I mean, that's like the ultimate Absolutely. symbolic meaning of that. Because I mean, even with me, with the psychedelic experiences too, I got down to my absolute based worst moment where I end up in the hospital. Um, I almost overdose on everything. But I feel like to really build up, again, you need to hit that absolute low point. And that seems to be a universal for a lot of people who have experienced these, uh, who've had experiences and have gotten help from psychedelics is being at your absolute lowest point. And from there, it's like completely fresh to be able to just restart and build back up. Because if you still have half the mess sitting there, then it makes it just that much harder to get your head straight and be able to rebuild yourself up from there. Fertile soil. Exactly. You know, whether it's the story of Shiva, whether it's the story of the, the phoenix, you know, the lotus flower coming from the mud. I mean, there's there's so many analogies through history that, you know, that the story of just the the fallen person that gets back up. But you you need, you know, and me and my girlfriend use the time use the analogy all the time about like um, girl skull badges or boy skull badges, where you go through all these trials and tribulations and you get those badges and and yeah, sometimes it's going to suck. But I, I want to have you know the the Eagle Scout fucking sheath with all of the shit on it. Like, I, I want to go through all of life's bullshit because I, I know how strong I am. I know when I get put up against these things, I'm going to be able to handle it. And I've been through it and I, I have the tools and the resources and, and the knowledge to get through this in a way that isn't going to be self-destructive to me or my loved ones. And I, it's it's now I'm like, I, I look for the challenges of life. Not not that I want to have a life of struggle and, and, and bullshit, but uh, I know if, if something comes into my life that's pushing me or stressing me, once again, it's that indicator light in my car. So I'm not going to get mad that the transmission light's on. I'm going to be happy that I need to put fluid in. I'm not going to get pissed that my rear left tire is a little bit low. Thank you. So I don't wear out the tire. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm having more lights come on, but that's, that's better. Because <laughs> then you can just be that much more aware of yourself. Ain't that the truth? And I was going to say, like, when you... Uh when you break down to that absolute base point and you're able to like see yourself from a whole new perspective, that's again where you can actually start working on the individual little pieces and actually build yourself up into being a whole again, because like more often than not, it's like when you're already quote at the sky, it's kind of hard to see that the sky is up from there. But when you break yourself all the way down, you're sitting in the basement, you can see that the sky is wide open and that's your ability to build yourself up again from that point. And it's fun. It's exciting. You know, it's humbling to have everything removed from you. Um, but I look at now, you know, I'm 43 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm full of energy. I've got the, the world in front of me. And you know what? Before, did I have a shit ton of money and a bunch of houses and a lot of fancy stuff? Yep. But I was a miserable, overweight prick. Like, 
I, I wouldn't want that for anybody where now it's like, yeah, um, complete rebirth, but I'm excited whether I have another year on this planet or another 40, but, um, it's going to be fun no matter what. <laughs> it's all about enjoying the ride, man. And I mean, just to bring it back to even more of what you were saying too, about like the negative experiences, you know, there's not necessarily growth from everything being good. There needs to be some type of confrontation in order for there to be growth. So, you know, by going through negative experiences and coming out on top, that's what ends up making you stronger later on. And in turn, you can then help the ones around you because you've been through that before, because it's really hard to talk to somebody about addiction if you've never experienced addiction yourself. But if you've been there before, now you can help out other people. And a lot of people, you know, question the, what the whole possible meaning of life could be. But for me, at least, I think the meaning of life is experience. And whether it's a good experience or it's a negative experience, it's an experience that somebody can't take away from you. And no matter if it's a negative experience or a positive experience, it's something that you've been through that, again, you can now help others through and help them to elevate to get themselves to a better point. Because again, nobody, nobody wants to listen to a guy that tells you to like get over your addiction when they've never been there before. Like You need to have people who have been drugged through the mud in order to help other people pick themselves up out of the mud because if somebody's standing there at the end and they don't have one speck of mud on them you know those people know that they more than likely haven't been through it before so like they don't they don't they don't have any room to talk in that person's uh perspective at that point <laughs> yeah and some people just you know need need a hug um and that's why i ended my book with the chapter love thy neighbor and and once again, from how the book started to just who I am as a person and like the way I look and all that shit, to end the book with love thy neighbor is just a, it's a it's a something once again I didn't think I would ever be writing the book, but then ending it like that. But it's it's so it's so important. Um, sometimes people just need a hug. Sometimes people need to know other people have fallen face down in the mud, and it's it's okay. Um, it's okay that you need help. It's okay to to say I need help. Um, but that's why, in, you know, I'm I'm not doing anything new or novel. That there's a lot of people that are that are doing this. But maybe, the, and and this is kind of why I'm I'm doing it too. Like the people that are watching your show, or or that maybe like reading a book like mine, may not be the people that are watching Oprah, or Doctor Phil, or you know, like I, I kind of want to make sure that like the the misfits or the the people that have I don't know, maybe on the the outsides of of normal society have people like us that they can turn to too. Where it's like you know what, man. Call me if you need to talk. Like if, if you really, and, and you know, to, to end on a, a, a note or a message, it's like if you're in a really dark, shitty space, if, if, if you really think that there's, you know, you're thinking about ending your, your life on this planet, like please don't you know that there's people that need you here. There, there is a way of, of changing shit around and, and getting it to where you can now shine your light and you can tell that story as, as horrible and as fucked up and as awful as you think it is that horrible thing can be turned into a beautiful story and narrative that can help somebody else. And, um, that's really the, the message is just reach out. If you need help, ask if you need a hug, say, I need a hug. If you need money, sell, ask somebody, Hey, I need 10 bucks. So I can go buy a sandwich. Like it takes, it's horrible to say that, but, um, people will help you. There are people there that, that, have been through shit like like if anybody ever came to me he's like oh man i'm struggling with alcohol i'm broke i knew like i'll be the first here's my shirt here's my jacket here's 20 bucks go get a meal and whatever call me if you need it again like and th there's there's enough people out there like that that will help you that have helped me man so i was gonna bring up you, words so. of wisdom but i think you already beat me to the punch that was absolutely beautiful words of wisdom 
And just expanding past that too, of course, if there is anybody out there that is struggling with uh, negative emotions, dark thoughts, you know, there are people like you, like me, that are always willing to sit here and listen to anything, buddy, that anybody has to talk about, or in just simply being a listening ear to somebody out there. Um, so, I mean, just connecting off of that, of course, too, if uh, anybody was trying to look for you on the internet, they possibly wanted to contact you, uh, they wanted to share some of their experiences, or maybe they just simply want somebody to talk to because they feel like they, they can relate with you. Uh, how would people come and find you on the internet and how would people get in contact with you? I'm probably most active on Instagram, uh, so books by Adam Butler. And then my uh, email address is booksbyadambutler at gmail.com. And, you know, I'll, I at this point, you know, I, I look forward to any of the, the stories that that I get from people or any way that I can help. Once again, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't, ask, you know, I don't have the answers. I don't, but like I said, I can listen. I can share my story, and uh, th- that's all I needed when when I when I was in the, the darkest of my shit. So that that's what I can offer. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love to hear your story, and that's the cool thing too. Is like as as I, the more stories you hear, and the the, the more people you know, it works. It just gives you that much more confidence to keep sharing the stories. To now, like, I have stories now that I can share from my interaction with you, and it just it keeps building and building and building. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm available. I'm accessible. Uh, looking to help any way I can. And hear stories. Like I, I love hearing these stories too. So even if you have a fun one, shoot that to me too. I really uh, appreciate you making the time to come on today, man. And uh, we're definitely going to have to set something up. Uh, As soon as we finish up here and everything, we'll try to set up another date. And hopefully we can get into the uh, more positive side of it. Because I definitely feel like this needs to at least be a (laughs) two-part series, man. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. All right, well, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been good connecting with you. And, um, you know, diving into your uh, portfolio of work, too. You know, for people that are looking for for good information... um, I'm happy that I found you too. So I got a, a couple months worth of uh, backlogs to listen to your shit. So I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you listening and checking out the show, man. It means Content. a lot. Maybe I shouldn't word it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, if you guys leave a five-star review, I will read on the show and give you guys a big shout out. And if you know anybody that might enjoy this particular episode, don't forget to share it with them through word of mouth or the show as a whole if you think somebody would enjoy the entire show. And if anybody wants to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it you want to report an encounter, uh, submit a sub submit a question for Bizarre Inquiries, or just get a hold of me for anything else beyond that, you guys can do so through email or through social media. If you guys go to the link tree, there are specific submission forms depending on what you're trying to get a hold of me for. And uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason besides uh, besides a report and encounter, you guys can do so through Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast at Outlook.com. Or if you guys want to report an encounter, you guys can do that to OMM Encounter Reports at Outlook.com. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation, and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.